If you want to get things done, create a petition. This isn't a new thing. It's how our country got started. A bunch of bold men, and old men, signed this thing called the Declaration of Independence, saying to England, give me liberty or give me death. This little fact from history class, though, that you probably forgot about, is the Olive Branch petition that they sent as a final attempt at diplomacy beforehand. It got them named traitors by good old King Georgie Poo in England. And who was behind these letters? Well, the Continental Congress. An even lesser known fact is this. To inspire all of the men in the room to action, and to give Jefferson the vision for what he would write in the Declaration, Ben Franklin gave the following speech. Hey, fight, and you may die. Run, and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now. Would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom? And then you had the Revolutionary War. I'm Josiah Holland, born in 1996, and the last four of my social security number are none your business. This podcast is my attempt to merge humor, philosophy, and whatever interesting things I encounter along the way. Today, I want to go further with something I touched on in my last episode. In my episode, Humble and Kind, I said, there's a difference between making things right and being right all of the time. One takes a lot of effort, and the other will lose you your friends. As of late, I've been rather concerned to recognize patterns of self-righteous indignation, ruining relationships, and forfeiting the foundations of community in the quest for misinformed, one-sided perspectives of justice. Calling itself social justice, it is a sham. It is pride and perfectionism. It's characteristic of me and my generation. It rests on the fact that we live for success and are trained by social media to hide imperfections. Because we've been sheltered from failure, we think that the worst thing that could happen to us would be that someone find out we aren't perfect. Perfection, by the way, is understood to come along with being woke. The challenge with that is that we have stopped understanding wokeness to be awareness. We've associated it instead with calling people out. If you want to prove you're woke... Get on your high horse and call people out. Well then, that just feeds into everyone's insecurity because we're all trying to be perfect and getting called out ruins the image and brand we're all trying to build. So what do we do? We turn to petitions instead of conversation. Diplomacy is pushed aside by assertions. Resolution is defined by being heard instead of finding common ground. Public condemnation has taken its place as the tool of choice, and while arguably efficient, I reject the notion of its necessity and effectiveness. Change might be achieved, but at what cost? Do we really just want change in and of itself, or rather, are we in pursuit of things being made better? Because don't get me wrong, public condemnation is great at achieving change, but far from always does it actually make things better we must take more seriously the implications of self-righteous indignation before training generations to rely upon it for solutions. The solutions it gives them will only breed further disillusionment. So then, am I taking a stand against anger? By no means. 
To quote Buck's theological dictionary, all anger is by no means sinful. However, it becomes sinful when conceived upon trials, occasions, or inadequate provocations, when it breaks forth into outrageous actions, vents itself in reviling language, or is concealed in our thoughts to the degree of hatred. Let me give you context for how I've seen this play out twice in community. The first time, while talking about courageous character as an attribute, the conversation devolved when it was implied by a student that some might make the case that Brett Kavanaugh could be construed as a person of courageous character for standing up against multiple accusations of immorality. If you don't follow politics, basically somebody played devil's advocate for the political right, and understandably, the political left in the room wanted none of it. I get it. I'm actually with the left on this. However, what I didn't expect was that some of the women would take it upon themselves to create a group message for all the women in the room so that they could privately make sense of what had happened in this safe space. Men were too much of a threat. They had crossed the line and were beyond redemption in at least the present moment. It was decided within hours and without much conversation that it would take a coalition of all the women with one united voice to right this wrong. And this is where it gets tricky for me, because I think there was a better way to handle it, but I'm a white guy with a ton of privilege, so maybe how I would handle it isn't a legit option for someone with less privilege. However, I believe they underestimated their power as individual voices. By doubting their own power, they subverted the community dynamics and threw the whole group into chaos because suddenly the guys in the community fell under attack simply for being men. Did the women leading this charge get what they wanted? Well, they came just short of crucifying the guy who had played devil's advocate, but to be honest, I'm not sure what they wanted. Rather, I just know that everyone in the community was on edge for the next three months, and we still haven't returned to a point of being able to have authentic dialogue. Ideas are cautiously put forward, and groupthink prevails. More recently, a subset of this community had another falling out. We were going to celebrate a milestone. Someone the group felt should be included had been left out for legitimate but complicated reasons that the group was just not aware of. The organizer of the event was petitioned to undo this wrong in an email written by one student on behalf of the rest of the group. Feeling attacked and betrayed, the organizer, well, didn't really know what to do. Ultimately, I'll I'll tell you what she did. But what's frustrating to me is that the email author could have just called the event organizer for clarification, could have sent a text, or even framed the email as a question. But instead, to be as sure of success as possible, I'm assuming, she sent an ultimatum via email with the claim that she spoke for the entire group to back her up. Well, guess what? The event got canceled. That's what the group organizer decided to do. And so... The girl who sent the email, she achieved equity. She was efficient. But was that the outcome that she really wanted? Did she get what was ultimately better? I don't know. Perhaps in her mind, it was better than the inequity she perceived. 
but had she approached the situation as a conversation instead of making accusations in an attempt to force a decision, she might have learned what was really going on, gotten off her high horse before it bucked her off, and saved the whole group from losing the event entirely. The event organizer was really hurt by how these things played out. But she's capable of forgiveness, she's capable of grace, she's capable of giving people the benefit of the doubt. That's because she wasn't coddled by society and the education system. She knows how to th handle things without throwing a fit. She makes the world a better place, not by fighting to be right, but by fighting to make things right. I find the two situations to be characteristic of a trend I see towards lashing out with outrageous actions against trivial occasions and inadequate provocations. It's not my place to offer a verdict of who is right and wrong at which point in these two situations. I am taking a stance, though, to say the public condemnation route doesn't seem effective to me. It can be, don't get me wrong, but not always. And so I'm almost scared to say it in today's climate, but we need to practice self-restraint. We need to work towards a greater understanding of all sides before jumping to conclusions, and we need to check ourselves for self-righteous indignation. The older I get, the more aware I become of the potential for harm in all those around me. Humanity is broken, but I've also grown in my awareness of that same capacity for harm existing within me. My fear is that my generation has recognized the brokenness of the people and systems around them, but failed to ro recognize the brokenness within themselves. And so with that, I'm going to focus on personal change. Moving forward, I'm going to offer the benefit of the doubt, and, if sure of offense, I'll extend grace and forgiveness. I will not reject anger, but I'll do my best to test it and direct it before brashly reacting on it. To quote my roommate Turi, we cannot afford to confuse wokeness with being the loudest and the first to react. Wokeness is awareness, and wisdom is knowing how to be effective in that awareness. And then, to quote from the Sermon on the Mount, How can you say to your brother, Let me take the, take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I've obviously got a lot of growth to do in this area. I have so much to learn about how to fight to make things right, instead of just fighting to be right. Thank you.